Hey everybody, it's a windy February day here on the east coast of the United States in New York, but we are back with an American F1. I know I have not reached out to you guys in a while, and I'm here really just to catch up. It's been a, a busy month with work and things like that, and I know I haven't been consistent with my Thursday, Friday bits, my Sunday podcast, but I'm here catching up back with you guys because basically we are it we are in the new season of f1 it is the 2023 season and it is getting off to a firing start and there are so many things i want to talk about so many things so little time so we're just gonna get right into it so you know the 2023 season right one of the beautiful things about the 2023 season and you know that you know f1 is coming around because you start seeing new liveries and things like that and First thing I got to talk about is all these new liveries. I know that we're in the midst of testing, but I mean, some of them look absolutely beautiful in testing themselves. But I guess the main theme of all the liveries, and I'm going to highlight a few of them that I really thought were cool, is the theme this year, obviously, because of weight saving purposes, is back to black, right? We're going black for weight loss, right? So we have teams like, oh my God, I one of the teams that I love the most and I think pulls off the black look the most and you know say what you want sorry I need my little energy drink there but say what you want about Mercedes and being traditional and going with the silver arrows but that Mercedes in black I don't care if you're a Mercedes fan or not it is a beautiful work of art and that is a team that really pulls off the carbon look perfectly and you know what's funny? People say, right, Mercedes are the silver arrows. That that should be their color, silver. And I get why they made the change in 2020 to the black Mercedes. But this year, the black Mercedes, I mean, obviously it made sense when they did it in 2020, 2020 and 2021, right? Those two years uh, for, for obvious reasons uh, to create awareness to different issues going around in the world, especially the Black Lives Matter movement. It was connected to that and, and you know, all for that. But in a more technical sense too this year going to the black look again after having a lackluster year in the silver maybe trying to get a little mojo change too right uh but the black mercedes having the carbon look makes sense because if we know mercedes original history right the reason why mercedes were originally silver was because of the fact that you know back in the day in the 50s there were teams that would use different colors you know usually like the nation of your car was the color you were you know uh famously england being green that's why aston martin is green mercedes in a weight saving measure stripped off their paint and literally had the silver bullet so you could argue that the silver bullet of this f1 up until probably 2026 the silver bullet scheme is going to be black because to save weight you expose the carbon you got yourself you got yourself a black mercedes and i got to say is there nothing more intimidating than the black mercedes i just always there's something about all right first of all from from a american perspective right one of the best drivers in nascar history dale earnhardt senior that guy was known as the intimidator right and he always drove that black 3 goodwin chevrolet of course with the exception of you know special paint schemes but There was something about that talented driver, that number three in that black and silver car. You just knew with a little red, kind of interesting there, a little red highlight too, right? In that black, silver-trimmed car, 
a little bit right in line there, that that guy meant business, the intimidator, Dale Earnhardt, right? Now, when you think on the F1 side, one of the best drivers in F1 history, Lewis Hamilton, hunting you down in that black Mercedes with the little silver trim, little green trim for Patronus, right? Hunting you down. That, to me, is one of the greatest images in racing. And you know what? Some people might argue that. But seriously, looking at that black Mercedes hunting down a car is something like... I can't even explain what it looks like. But you just know that the driver in that car means business. So if there's any team that pulls off an all-black look, it is Mercedes. Because they just... To me... It's not even about the car itself. It's about who's behind the wheel of that car. And you know that the driver behind that car is tenacious, is skilled, is talented, and can hunt anybody down at any given time. And that really, I know we're talking about a livery here, but that livery to me is one of the most recognizable, iconic liveries of F1 history. And maybe... Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it ranks up there with, you know, Schumacher's red Ferrari. Um, even thinking about the Senna, the Senna Marlboro look, right? So, like, there, there are things there that you can feel that connection. So, I like it. Uh, other teams that I like their livery, I kind of, I'm digging the Haas. I'm digging the Haas black and white look. I like the money gram, the way it kind of features in there. Looks like a really nice car. Um... Red Bull, Red Bull partnering with Ford. Hey, look at that American connection in 2026, right? Red Bull making that big announcement, uh, going to be connecting with Ford in 2026. So bringing some American blood, more American blood into Formula One can never knock that. Uh, probably the most disappointing reveal or sponsorship reveal was Williams because Williams, we were getting this hype, right? That Golf was going to join. All of us were expecting some kind of new livery with, you know, Golf incorporated into it, and boom, we get it. But we find out that, yeah, Golf is on as a partner of Williams, but they're only really contributing about $4 million, which only about $4 million, but still, they're not really contributing, I think, as much as we thought. And, you know, I don't think yet that livery will connect. I think that relationship has to grow, and I think that sponsorship has to expand, and hopefully Williams can because... I say this a lot. Williams is one of the teams that always, for some reason, it just leaves me heartbroken to think about where they once were and where they are now. And just to see them struggling, struggling, struggling. It's it's one of the more painful downfalls in F1 to watch in terms of a team. So I'm really hoping that Williams can figure something out. But um, I wasn't such a big fan of the Alpine design. I think... It's a cool look. It's nothing amazing. I think the pink, black, and blue is a little too much going on. Ah, Aston Martin is always beautiful. If that car can be successful, that will be that would be one of the sexiest cars on the grid. I think the thing bringing Aston Martin down is it's a really, really nice looking car. And honestly, to its credit, Racing Point Aston Martin, they've really never had a terrible looking car. Even You could say what you want about the pink cars. Those things were... Kind of iconic, and I, I think they, they made those paint schemes work. I was always a fan of those pink racing points cars. So 
you know, I think there's a, that's another team that kind of makes pink work in a way, and I think they make it look pretty cool in a unique way. So, Racing Point, um, you know, definitely as they expanded to Aston Martin. I mean, that Aston Martin is a beautiful looking. I, it's got to be hard to mess up an Aston Martin paint scheme, right? I mean, I guess last year was kind of average because they had the pink in it. This year looks a lot better with that crisp yellow line oh man i love that aston martin and i'm gonna get into aston martin today uh in my totally not hyping testing mode but yeah uh you know aston martin looks pretty cool um alfa romeo i liked i think it's you know black and red a little different than the black and white we're used to am i missing anybody Aston martin i did haas alpine ferraris ferrari you're not really gonna say much about that mercedes we talked about um Missing somebody bigger. Missing. Hold on, hold on. Oh, Alpha Tauri. I mean, Alpha Tauri. I'm a big Alpha Tauri fan. Again, I think an average looking, uh, average looking car. I think it could have looked, you know, a little better. I was a little disappointed with how that reveal went too. Honestly, like, but honestly, you know, you don't need to do anything that special as a team to really show, <laughs> um, to show, you know changing liveries you can have a sticking livery for a while i mean look at what red bull's done and they're incredibly successful look at ferrari uh look at the mclaren of old oh and of course mclaren which i think oh that's probably one of the major disappointments but i think we really want to see more blue on that mclaren and the problem is we can't yet we will not see more blue on that mclaren until these weight loss issue things are figured out but you know uh for mclaren to you know have that black, have that blue. It's, it's you know, kind of a little average. Uh, average. But anyway, uh, in other F1 news that I've missed and haven't really talked about, we've been having this ongoing saga. There's been this whole thing between Mohammed bin Suleim uh, and various things about F1, whether it was arguing about the valuation and just really meddling. And there's kind of been this little separation where um, now – He's more or less taking a step back and, you know, other people are going to run F1 more directly, which, you know, listen, I don't think Mohammed Ben Suleim is a terrible FIA president. I think the problem with F1 now is who's really bigger? Like what the FIA is obviously an important sanctioned body and everything goes through the FIA, but in reality... F1 is probably a more well-known um, and a more controlling entity in terms of politics than the FIA actually is. We we talk about the FIA a lot, but let's get real. F1 makes some money. And the FIA, they can say all these things that they want, but if they're going to make decisions that cost F1 money, they're not going to end up on top. And F1 could easily, easily, easily do their own thing. I don't think, you know, there is this whole big thing with the FIA being connected to the F1 and, you know, it's obviously, it makes sense and it's been that way for a long time. But in another sense, I don't think it's crazy to say that who's to say in 10 years, we don't see some kind of separation from the FIA. I would not be surprised. Not every organization goes through the FIA. Granted, you know, the FIA has a lot of control over different things, but not every racing organization in the world is under the sanctioning of the FIA and they have incredible success. So 
who's to say that we can't find other success for F1 outside of the limitations of the FIA? Because, you know, the FIA has made a lot of interesting decisions and statements, you know, whether it was talking about political neutrality, uh, whether it's been this whole back and forth with the Andrade, Andrade, with the Andretti saga. So this whole thing, you know, really needs to be developed and be strengthened if the FIA is going to continue and maintain their relationship with Formula One in a positive light, because, you know, we know easily that Splits can happen, divisions can happen, and politics is politics. You never know. There have been times in Formula One's history in the past where splits have been threatened and, you know, there's been, like, separate leagues threatened to be created. And, you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the more tension there is, the more there is less – the less problem-solving that is done and the more tension that creates, we could find ourselves in some weird, weird, weird situations. But um, it was kind of funny – to hopping on that political neutrality thing, which has basically been on and off in Formula One news for months now. I thought it was hilarious. N- not hilarious, okay? But I thought it was funny that people such as, uh, you know, Helmut Marko were talking about that political neutrality is, is you know, to maintain that in Formula One isn't a smart idea. You know, he basically, him and along with Max Verstappen and other drivers have basically said, listen, we're the drivers. We're responsible. We know how to say what we're going to say. We know what to say. And honestly, you know, there is no reason for F1 to hold drivers accountable like that for political statements. And we see this all the time in professional sports, right? So why is this still a big deal? Why why is it that F1 wants to maintain their political neutrality? I don't know. I don't think it's smart for them to, you know, find drivers for making statements, whether it's in support of lgbtq manners wars pollution whatever i think it is a great platform for drivers to make people aware of this issue worldwide because the fact is a lot of the places formula one goes to including my own country the united states are not necessarily supportive of major issues in the world and it's a shame and for drivers to make awareness to these issues, whether it changes one, two, twenty, a hundred people, maybe even a thousand people's minds, it's smart. But I know that's a very controversial topic, and I'm sure I'm sure people would love to hammer in onto that. But yeah, so that's still in the news too. Andretti's still in the news. That's just like an ongoing, ongoing thing with Alpine now saying basically that if Andretti joins. They will team up with them and supply their engines, which that was basically no secret. If we were looking at the dialogue between the different team owners and the teams that support them, no coincidence that the one team that was really in support of Andretti Racing was also a team that had an engine supplier or is an engine supplier. Okay, so obviously makes sense. But it's kind of funny, though, thinking about to 2026, I've been really like pondering what 2026 could look like because we keep hearing these things on Twitter and on the news, and I know you can't believe everything you see on Twitter, and I know you can't believe everything you read. But, you know, there's rumors of, like, uh, obviously we know Audi is with Sauber, and they're actually going to be starting to get into that minority stake next year, so we might have to say goodbye to Alfa Romeo. Um, But, uh, you know, our other teams looking to get in, we know Ford's going to partner with Red Bull, um, you know, maybe Porsche finding their way. I don't know, but 
Honda, oh, Honda, that was interesting. I forgot to mention that. With Ford going to Red Bull, Honda has made an application for 2026 as an engine supplier. Now, the rumor, which is crazy to me, the rumor of the team that the team connected to Honda, which, again, this blows my mind, is McLaren. And, you know, just because... If you think back to those McLaren Honda years, oh my God, those were some of the most horrific years when Honda re-entered. That was some of the most, that's probably McLaren's low point, right? We'd have to say the low point for McLaren were those McLaren, (laughs) those McLaren Honda years. I mean, holy crap. Those were, those were sad. Those were, uh, (laughs) embarrassing really and to think that we might see that partnership again it's just it's just crazy to see how like it's funny because in f1 things as much as you think things change sometimes they just stay the same and you know the cycle of f1 the the whether it's engines or manufacturers or drivers blah 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 like it's just crazy to think that we could see a mclaren honda partnership again and honestly would it be unsuccessful i don't know i i mean we've seen that I mean, there was a lot discussed about why Honda was successful with Red Bull and why they fla- uh, why they flared, why they fa- why they failed with McLaren. So, I mean, I don't know if it was more an environmental issue or if it was that Honda wasn't ready or McLaren and Honda didn't sync up. But I mean, I'm hoping that if this partnership reignites, that they really could join back in again. Um, but we'll see what happens with that relationship i'm just thinking 2026 is going to be a really interesting year and uh hey this 2023 season we're getting helmet cameras for everybody i i love that and it's kind of funny that helmet camera now is really catching on i was watching the daytona 500 the other day which by the way shout out if oh man we had i mean i don't know how many of you guys watch other racing series but connor daly was in that race uh, we also had Travis Pastrana, Jimmy Johnson, just these guys who have raced in these multiple forms. And I hope we see more of that this year. Maybe maybe a Daniel Ricciardo somewhere. But I know he's committed with Red Bull. But, yeah, we get the helmet camera for everybody. So that's pretty cool. Uh, NASCAR's been using that too. And it was funny, the NASCAR broadcast, were all bragging about that camera. I'm like, bro, I've been seeing this camera for like, you know, a year already. It's not really that amazing. I guess it is. But, you know, it's an old technology if we're thinking about Formula 1. Uh, how about testing this week, right? So we're into testing. This is when we overreact to everything. And, <laughs> uh, you know, right away, first of all, Mercedes, before testing, admitting they're behind. They like their car. I think they made a lot of improvements to their car, but they're flat out admitting they still think they're behind Red Bull and even Ferrari. Um, the other big news, Lance Stroll allegedly breaking both hands. So <laughs> both wrists. So he's out. And Felipe Drugovich, you know, honestly... That's a guy who I'm glad to see get some seat time, though. I know he hasn't gotten a lot this testing, but honestly, I think that's a guy that deserved at least some time in an F1 car. I mean, he's an immensely talented driver. Um, Wasn't running exactly the fastest of times, but that's just a guy that really, really I'm glad to see when he gets, you know, in the car and gets a chance to work a little bit with an F1 car because he really... Uh, you know, he's crushed it in Formula 3, uh, Formula 3, wow, Formula 2, and, you know, he's, 
he's a more than deserving driver. He's one of those examples, almost like when Oscar Piastri was struggling. That he's one of those examples of a driver that really deserves an opportunity and really hasn't gotten it yet. And I hope somehow he finds an open seat too. And you know, I think he's one of these guys who again are less tied to uh, big sponsorship deals. They don't exactly bring in the cash like you know someone like a Zhou Guan Yu. Which again, no knock to Zhou Guan Yu. I mean that guy. I and when I get into my totally overreacting to testing in a second, I am still on the Jogan U train. But again, I think you know someone like a Felipe Drugovich, um, even an Oscar Piastri, doesn't bring as much money to the table as other drivers might. So it's kind of cool to see him, uh, you know, behind a wheel. Um, there was also an article about Esteban Ocon saying that he was going to continue to be aggressive, and I have no problem with that. Honestly, I think Formula One needs a driver with a little bit of grit. And I think Ocon is more or less that kind of driver. And I don't mean an aggressive driver in terms of like, you know, like a Nikita Mazepin has been in the past. But I like the fact that Ocon has this kind of personality where he's not going to give in. Look at how he raced Fernando. That's probably one of the reasons why Fernando left. Look at how he's raced Checo, right? And it's probably going to be the same against Pierre. And I don't know how that relationship is going to work because we know their history. Um, But I kind of like that idea of having a driver who isn't afraid to push the limit a little bit. And honestly, I think Ocon is... We know Ocon's story is not the same kind of upbringing as a lot of other F1 drivers. Um, And I like that he's kind of fought to to get to where he is. And he's going to continue fighting where he is and there's a reason why he's a race winner and you could say what you want about the luck at Hungary but I honestly think Esteban Ocon is one of the most underrated drivers of his era like I know you got the Lando Norris's I know you got obviously the George Russell's the Pierre Gasly's the um Charles Leclerc's you got all those guys who are great color signs like all those great drivers and you, you know but I really Alex Albon even, but I really think Esteban is highly, 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 highly underrated. I think he's a very, very talented driver, and I think in the right machinery and the right time, he'll definitely prove. And he already has; he's a race winner, and I think he'll prove that he is worthy of being a top driver for a team. Um, also, Fred Vasseur getting into testing. Um, Fred Vasseur, I like the moves he's doing. I like what he's trying to do. He's saying the right things. He wants Ferrari to be more on top of the mid-season development. So that's pretty cool. Um, So I like that idea. I also like the idea that he's been talking about... um, Oh, well, he also moved Rueda, right? So Rueda has moved to a factory position. So he's trying to make these changes in the positive light. But now we get into testing, right? So we get into testing, you know, we're going to totally overreact to everything about testing. So one of the first things, talking about Ferrari making all these right moves. And of course, first day of testing, Ferrari has a nose deformity issue, which from what I hear is just a minor, um, it's something that's really a minor fix. It wasn't obviously something to be mega concerned about. But two observations I've noticed, or just a few observations I've really noticed about testing. One and again, it's only testing. I know we the disclaimer that we always got to say is it's only testing, only testing, only testing. But with that being said, um, Red Bull, 
still looks amazing in terms of, you know, Max Verstappen, first of all, running 157 laps in testing, probably because they're trying to make up for the loss of wind tunnel time, but running 157 laps, which is almost double of what everybody else ran that day, you know, um, the mo- or double the most anybody ran that day. It's crazy. One driver, 157 laps. That guy puts in the work. Say what you want about Max. That guy puts in the work. He puts in the track time, the sim time. And, and the results show. I mean, he is a methodical, logical, smart racer. And, and the results show. Uh, the other person that I, I got to say is looking quick. And I'm telling you, my underdog pick for a win this year, I, I just feel it. He's been fast in two sessions already. And that's Fernando Alonso. I mean, Fernando looks good. He looks like a good driver. He looks like he's going to be able to do a lot with that Aston Martin. I think Aston Martin, I'm totally overreacting to testing. We know sandbagging is a thing, but I'm totally overreacting. But Fernando Alonso looks good. And I would not be surprised if things go right in a race. I would not be surprised if you saw Fernando Alonso A, on the podium, or B, on top of that podium. He's my dark horse pick for winning a race this year. He was my dark horse pick for winning a race last year, and honestly, I think he would have had some chances if that Alpine was just a slightly more reliable, and uh, especially in the early part of the season when you know teams were a little closer. But yeah, Fernando Alonso looking, looking solid. And then just some other drivers that have been looking solid all weekend, Hulkenberg, uh, looking like he hasn't missed a step. He's actually been, I mean, again, I don't know what times these teams are running. I don't know what practice plans, but Hulkenberg was faster than um, Magnuson day one and day two. Day one and day two? Yeah, day one and day two. So I don't know. They're probably running different programs, but he does look quick. Um, the rookie drivers, I haven't seen anything spectacular, but, you know, again, very early to say, but yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing from these teams. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Aston Martin. I'm liking what I see from Alpine. I'm liking what I see from, you know, Red Bull. The other teams, I think it's still anybody's game. I think it's still a guessing game. But I think, I I mean, I'm hoping. And, I, you know, McLaren to me is still a mystery. There's been a lot of positives. Lando's been saying good things about the McLaren. They could just be getting their time in and, you know, doing a little, you know, the magic word is sandbagging. But, I, I mean... <clears throat> I still think I I think Aston Martin is going to make the biggest leap this year. I mean, it would make sense, right? Because they had that whole transition year last year and you know, I think this could be the year where things kind of fall into place a little better. So, I'm looking forward to what might happen with that team. You know, I want to see how it goes with them. Um, but I really think that Aston Martin is finally looking good and I think they're looking solid and I think that is a team that might make some significant and I honestly not to knock not to knock um Sebastian or even Lance but I think that it will totally be a positive year for Aston Martin and you know what's kind of crazy I don't know why I find this amazing to think but isn't it kind of crazy that it's been three Aston Martin's been in the sport now since 2021. So they've had 2021, 2022, now we're in 2023. It's kind of crazy to think that they've been around for this long. I feel like 
I feel like they just joined F1 yesterday. And I feel like, I don't know. It's just one of those teams where I think about it. It doesn't feel like it was a long time. But, yeah, that's my uh, little Friday bits. I'm going to try to get back to you guys on Sunday night. Talk more about the weekend of testing. I know I covered a lot in a little amount of time. I promise I'll try to be back weekly, capturing everything about F1, all the news, and at least sometimes bi-weekly, bi-weekly, yeah, bi-weekly, trying to catch up with you guys, just share my F1 thoughts and my stream of consciousness talking about everything there is in F1. So thank you guys for listening along. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Watch some testing tomorrow and enjoy. Enjoy.